time for taking care of business on Midlands 103. With thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmeath. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. Midlands 103. Good evening and welcome to Taking Care of Business on Midlands 103. Cameron Clark here, filling in for Ronan Berry. He'll be back on your airwaves next week. I've got a packed show for you tonight. You'll hear from a Midlands recruitment expert on whether you should expect a pay rise next year. Later on in the show, I'll be catching up with Board Namona about their Accelerate Green programme. You'll also be hearing some highlights from last night's Midlands 103's Hospitality Awards and how many young people are being paid below the minimum wage illegally. But first, on taking care of business tonight, the Restaurants Association of Ireland believes hundreds of businesses in the hospitality sector will close in the coming months due to rising costs. It says the majority of its members are struggling to break even and is expecting the large number of closures already seen this year to continue. Petal Cafe in Castle Pollard was one of those to close for the final time in August, citing high electricity bills and produce costs as the reason behind the move. I caught up with its owner, Elaine Guinan, who's been reflecting on how tough the decision was. Um, I had to have a look at everything over the last few months coming up to uh, the 19th of August when I closed the door there. So the main thing was electricity. Electricity was so high. Um, in the winter, it was €55 Euro a day, possibly, to keep all the, um, say, the machines, the fridges, the coffee machine and the heaters going as well. Um, on top of that, you probably saw an increase in some food products that we would get in to make um, dishes or specials or anything like that. Some increased about 47%. Now, they may have come down slightly, but never back to what they were originally. You mentioned there that you you made the decision to close in August, but you're talking about your bills in the winter. Kind of for how long was this an issue? It's been an ongoing issue, probably since... Well, I actually made, I took the decision to get a pay-as-you-go meter in last August because I got frightened by all the stories in the news, really, that people were getting, you know, 4000 for their electricity bill and, you know, et cetera. But, like, if I looked at, at it from last August, or no, from last October, sorry, up until August when I closed, it was €5,650. That was just for electricity on a four-day week. So not only did you have some your massive bill, your massive bills. I imagine you had a you had a couple of people in your employment who you also had to pay on a regular basis as well. Yeah. So there was yeah there was always three girls with me, and um, so there'd be four of us in every day, um, and then even on the weekend we always had to have a minimum of four staff. At the busier periods you'd have to get an extra body in as well, um, on that. So yeah, I had those staff were with me since. Uh, mainly August and September 2021. So I had to make the decision to make them redundant, which was a very, very hard decision because we were such a good team, such good friends. Uh, that's that's the hardest part of not being able to, um, you know, have your laugh and with your customers and make sure they're all right, keeping an eye on the customers, keeping an eye on your staff. It was just. It's all very hard still, like, you know, even afterwards. I know it's a few months and that, but you can see the effect that it's having on maybe the staff and your friendships as well, because you don't see them as much. So 
Of course, and even having a, a number of staff for that long a period in a sector that you're in, you know, the hospitality sector is usually a relatively high turnover with students on it. Having people there for even two years is very good going in an industry like yours. It was, and we opened up in the we opened up in the lockdown as well. So we were, I think it was a five kilometer or maybe twenty kilometer restriction um, in that time when we opened up. There was no indoor seating. It was takeaway only at stages. Then you had to change all your plans when some new regulations came in. So you had to evolve with it as the you know they went through COVID. But um, I I just think it's a football of people coming in as well. The cost of living is affecting everybody. So people that we were seeing maybe twice a week that would bring their children in for, I don't know, pancakes or hot chocolates or a treat after school or maybe treat themselves after dropping the kids to school. You wouldn't have, that you started to only see them once a fortnight instead of, you know, a couple of times a week. So you could see that that that, that had changed already, you know. So your regulars were impacted. And what about, um, say, the likes of tourists? You know, there was a lot over the summer about the, the price of hotels and people not being able to stay anywhere. Did you notice that impact your footfall in terms of people who would come in, you know, just randomly over the summer? You might see them once or twice for the three-month period. Yeah. Oh, no, I noticed that. That was a huge impact. So for just being able to look at the traffic going through the town, you'd see a lot more, see, um, camper vans or caravans so people were basically going on site so they would have done their own shopping then as well and to stay on campsites that are usually a bit further out of town but I would have had um, the tea rooms in Tullin Alley for three years before I had this cafe so I could see tourism sort of say for four Collins Town going up to Mullamine going to Loch Crew Tullin Alley and then say last year you were having tourists in from France maybe Spain, Germany, America, all the time through the town, all the time. They'd be stopping off in four, but that's because they were able to stay in places in Airbnbs and in hotels and um, use it as a stop-off. But this year, it was considerably different. You, I, I would have easily said there's maybe only three or four that I would have been out chatting with, you know, telling them where to go. Whereas before that, I was like a tourist information office. <laughs> So, look, it, there was a lot on your plate at the time, and it sounds like this this was the decision you didn't take lightly. But, you know, three months no. on from the decision to close, how were you feeling about it? Um, well, when I gave my interview there to the Irish Independent there, to Amy, it was over the phone, and then I had Frank out on Bank Holiday Monday, which I thought was just a picture in front of the cafe, but it turned out to be a 40-minute photo shoot. And as he was asking me questions towards the end, I don't know what happened. I just got very upset. So I think it's just, you see around the town and you see the people you miss and your friends and your family and everything. So Take just time. a bit hard. Of course. Yeah, no, I, 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 complete, I completely get that. And look, I understand there's there's probably a lot of people well, around Casa Pollard who, yeah, who miss the cafe. Senior citizens groups, the ICA, the schools, Mergon. I, I could go on and on about all the businesses, the pubs, McCormick. Uh, Comiskey's, the hotel, Farley's, town and country, the shops, Murray's checkout. You, you could look at Brady's, you could look at Londis, Tesco's. I could go through them all, the hairdressers, um, Olive Murphy's hairdressers, Aura, Bernie, who unfortunately is closed as well, you know, and Martin O'Neill's, all of those businesses next door to me, the veg people next door to me, the shop. My landlord couldn't have done anything more for me. He was so supportive with anything with you know like my rent was more than or my rent my, my, I can't even speak 
my electricity was actually more than my rent a week. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> of course, and look, it sounds like you were very close yeah. with the businesses in the town. You know, have you any sort of yeah. sense of how, how they're getting on now with their bills? You know, it's, it's you weren't the only one to struggle. Is it a similar no, thing around hear, the rest of the area? Hear, yeah, you can hear that. You know, it is, it's their, you know, the electricity costs are sky, sky high. Anything that they're obviously having to buy in and sell on at retail, they're not making as much of a markup as they probably could. You know, it's, I think it's just, it's a, it's a rolling ball situation. And while minimum wage did have to change, it did for us all to be able to afford something. The other side of that is, if you have a full-time member of staff, it's probably going to be another 3000 a year. But where would I have found 3000 a year when I wasn't even finding the money to cover the bills, you know? Costs, costs, so, costs. It seems like it's affecting businesses all around cost. the country. But look, yeah. I imagine it sounds like you, you really do miss the cafe. And I imagine there's a lot of people around Costa yeah. Pollard and the surrounding area that miss the cafe as well. Have you put any thought into, you know, opening somewhere else or what your plans are for the future? Have you thought about that at all? No, um, I, I wouldn't be going back into my own business again. I, I, I just I couldn't deal with the stress and the, the pressure that's put on my family as well and relationships. That really took its toll now towards the end there. And, you know, that could have all been lost as well. If I, it was a hard decision. Your mental health is affected. Your families are affected. You know, your relationships are affected. Your health is affected. It's just which, which avenue do you go down? So I actually applied for a job with the HSE full time permanent here in Mullingar Hospital in the catering department and I've got that and I'm in it now 10 weeks so you know I've got myself into a routine and I have been catching up with a few you know of the staff and maybe old customers for coffees now and again so it is you know it's given that time to still kind of stay within reaching distance of people and talking to them and seeing how they are like and they them asking us how we are so that was Elaine Guinan, who ran the Petal Cafe in Castle Pollard, one of many Midlands businesses to close already this year. That closed down in August. I also spoke to Caroline Hoffman, CEO of Leash Chamber Alliance, about the high number of business closures in the region so far this year. She says the government needs to provide immediate supports. Well, it's incredibly disappointing to see so many businesses and small businesses who are the lifeblood of our communities and our towns being forced to close. And there are a number of factors, including rising costs, staff shortages. For example, in Budget 2024, there was an announcement of a €250 million euro package to help businesses with the rising cost of doing business. Now, this isn't due to be announced officially until January 2024, which is just too far away. A lot of businesses are being forced into a position where they're going to have to close their doors before Christmas because they, they just can't continue at this rate. And they're really struggling with rising energy costs, insurance. They're struggling to get staff. And there needs to be greater government intervention at a faster pace. Certain sectors are really struggling and government just haven't acted quick enough. So now is their time to react. There is a 250 million euro package, which was announced in Budget 2024. And the details of that need to be announced as a matter of urgency to reassure those businesses that there is light at the end of the tunnel. 
And that was Caroline Hoffman, CEO of Leash Chamber Alliance, talking about the recent number of businesses closing around the Midlands. Have you seen a beloved business in your area close recently? Let me know on 083 30 10 103. Up next, we're talking pay on taking care of business here on Midlands 103. Taking care of business. With thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmead. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. Welcome back to Taking Care of Business on Midlands 103. In fairly significant news this evening, pharma giant Pfizer is set to seek 100 redundancies at its manufacturing plant in Newbridge. It's understood that most of the jobs will be voluntary redundancies, but some will be compulsory. The Irish Independent is reporting that SIP2, which has almost 700 members at the Kildare site, says the news will be of huge concern to the workers, their families and the wider community. Divisional organiser with SIP2, Greg Ennis, said he believes around 100 redundancies will be sought as part of a $3.5 billion global cost-cutting plan, which was announced by the company last Last month, he says SIP2 will seek an immediate meeting with management in relation to this rather large story. Moving on, uh, some six and a half thousand young workers could be getting paid below the minimum wage illegally. That was the headline dominating the news recently, and we'll hear more about that and where it stems from in just over five minutes' time. But for now, should you expect a pay rise next year? Well, a new report from Irish-owned talent services firm Morgan McKinley has found most employees' pay will remain flat next year. Marketing manager with All Pro Recruitment in Tullamore, Yasmin El Kershi, joins me in studio to discuss this new survey. Yasmin, good evening. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thanks. I'm good. I'm good. So. Why the bad news for the majority of employees? I suppose, like, we've seen it recently, so the economy is starting to cool down a lot. So I think also with the rising cost of absolutely everything. So I think it's just kind of, and also there's less people going to change jobs next year. So this time last year when I was in talking to you, the reports were all saying that about two thirds of the working population were planning to change jobs. And now it's coming in that, maybe about a third of people are thinking are thinking of changing jobs. So it's different marketplace this year. And do we know why less people are looking to change a job? Is there any particular reason for that? Yeah, it's because of the the downturn, right? People are afraid. I would think really just being like, this is not from the data, but just from a personal experience, like we were all, well, some of us were around in 2008. So when we hear recession and all that kind of stuff, we panic and we don't want to be the first in somewhere. It doesn't necessarily mean just because it says recession that it's this dramatic, huge recession that's coming our way. But, um, you know, so it's just something I think people are just afraid, right? They, you know, they might have mortgage, kids. Even if you don't, just get your rent unpaid every month. You know, we have we all have responsibilities that we have to pay for. So uncertainty, I suppose, more than anything else is the reason for it. That's the perfect way to sum it up, I think, yeah. Okay, so look, it might may sound a bit unusual, but... Without the prospect of a pay rise, as a lot of people are going to have to expect next year, is there the potential that work ethic and, you know, people putting their best foot forward could be impacted, you know, without that financial incentive to push them to be the best they can be? You know, is there any risk that that may occur next year? Well, I suppose it really depends on how you're motivated, right? Because you've got like lots of different people are motivated by by different things. So, you know, some people... Um, are looking for flexibility in their work, you know. So there's other things that companies can offer them. Some people are looking for a lovely environment to work in, right? So a nice workplace, you know, fun events, kind of that kind of um, great working environment as well. So I think, like, if you're an employer that's not 
that's not in a position to offer pay rises. You need to look at like what else can you do like to keep your staff and to motivate your staff. I mean, yeah, money is important. It absolutely is. But like I know lots of people that work for lots of different reasons, right? Or move jobs like we're in the business, obviously, of, of getting people new jobs. But like people move jobs for lots of reasons. But a key trend of next year and I suppose of last year is it's all about flexibility in the workplace. That's the thing that everybody wants. Everybody's asking us for. Is there remote working? Is there, you know, the possibility to do a couple of days a week from home? That kind of thing is really important at the minute. And from your own perspective, is there any... um any reduction in those asks, you know, people looking to work from home, you know, we are getting that, that bit away from the pandemic. It's not as much of a necessity as it once was. Yeah. Are people still looking for it as often as they were? Yeah, like in record numbers. Actually, Ireland is strange. We're probably leading the way in terms of remote working across Europe and the world. So we have already quite a substantial amount of people since the pandemic um, remote working or at least flexible working, we'll say. But I think it's interesting that it's still the massive driver. It's actually when people are asked, when people are surveyed, what would they prefer, a pay rise or the ability for flexible working? Most of them pick flexible working. So um, it's definitely a big trend here. Funny enough, a lot of companies are stepping away from that and asking people to come back into the office. So it's kind of, an, you'll see that like it's going to, it's definitely something that we're going to talk a lot about over the next year. Especially without the option to offer people pay rises next year you know, you are maybe going to have to become a bit more flexible with that option to, you know, oh, you can take the Monday and Friday at home, but, you know, we want you in office Tuesday, Thursday. You're really going to have to negotiate well with your employees in order to strike a bargain deal here without being able to offer them the extra money. Yeah, yeah, totally. And the other thing, Cameron, is just to say, like, just because we're saying this, that, you know, there mightn't be the pay rises, it doesn't mean there was an issue this year with the whole um, idea that there was like a talent shortage, you know, so there wasn't as much well, it wasn't that there wasn't as much. It's just our demand for people and good employees have just skyrocketed. That actually is predicted to continue for until 2030. So it's not that there's going to be loads more, you know, when you advertise a job as an employer that you're going to have, you know, 300 people applying for that job. I don't think that's what's going to happen. We have been a little bit doom and gloom here to start oh, the yeah. interview, but <laughs> the Morgan McKinley report has found that it's not... It's not a negative picture for everyone. You know, there are a certain number of employees who can expect what actually looks like a significant enough pay rise heading into next year. Do you want to kind of run me through oh, yeah. who, who's going to be the big winners? Yeah, and it definitely isn't all doom and gloom. It really isn't. Like the job market is still really buoyant. So, um, right. So these are the kind of industries that can be expected. So anybody who works in tech, particularly like tech, people like software developers, any kind of developer, they're um, builders, so like particularly like surveyors, construction managers, health and safety officers, quality assurance specialists, accountants, engineers, insurance specialists. They're all set to increase, their wages are set to increase by 15% according to this report. That's a lot. It's a massive increase. And, you know, the jobs you kind of ran through there, there's not a whole lot that links them together. And, you know, you, you put them into one category. So what is it? Shortage, a shortage, like just a shortage of things. So like accountants, for example, it seems for whatever reason, there's a massive shortage of accountants. So it's just people are looking to fill the vacancies that they can't get. Yeah, and that's what it is. And that's how, you know, demand, supply and demand, right? So the price goes up because they can't get the people there. Yeah. So it's not all doom and gloom, you know, like like we talked about today. But, you know, is there anything else in the Morgan McKinley report you'd like to highlight? Um, 
Yeah, I think, so 72% of businesses have lost staff in the last six months because they couldn't compete on pay and benefits, including flexible working. Because flexible working, like while I'm saying it's a fantastic thing to be able to offer, not every company can. I just think it's really important to think outside the box in terms of your whole if you're a business and you're employing people, think about everything that you can offer, everything that you do offer. Like some places, like an example is some places offer breakfast. You know, they just have like coffee, tea and all that kind of stuff. But they mightn't write that in their job ads. But that's something that's definitely a, a plus, right? So there's lots of things that you can offer. A lot on offer. It might not all be money, but there is a lot on offer. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yes, well, I really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for coming in. Thanks, Cameron. Once again, that was Yasmin el Kershi. She's Marketing Manager with All Pro Recruitment in Tullamore. Would you work less if the opportunity for an increase in your pay wasn't on offer? Let me know. 083 30 10 103. I'll keep it a secret. I won't tell your bosses. We're sticking with pay here on Taking Care of Business and a new ESRI study has found some 6,500 young workers could be getting paid below the minimum wage illegally. The minimum wage in Ireland is currently €11.30 but those aged below 18 can be paid 70% of the full adult minimum wage rate. Those aged 18 can be paid 80% of the full rate while those aged 19 can be paid 90% of the full rate. Co-author of this new ESRI report, Elisa Staffa, joins me on the line to this evening to discuss. Elisa, good evening. Are the figures as serious as the headlines may suggest? Okay, so um, we have to say that actually uh, the main focus of our research has not been quite those around those people that are illegally paid below the minimum wage work, um, wage, uh, but um, mainly young workers that are paid below the full national minimum wage. Actually, today uh, in Ireland, the minimum wage is 11.30 per hour, but the current legislation allows employers to pay uh, young people uh, a reduced amount of the full national minimum wage. Uh, So for for instance, uh, those young people that are 19 years old can be paid 90% of the full national minimum wage those that are aged 18 years old can be paid 80% of the full rate, while those that are 17 or less can be paid the 70% of the full adult minimum wage. And so um, our main focus of the, of the research has been youth rates uh, for young people, as they have been very criticized by policymakers, both at a national and uh, international level. Uh, for instance, there is, in Ireland, there is a quite active policy debate around the, the topic, like um, policymakers and trade unions are uh, calling for a reform or abolition of these youth rates because they are considered to be uh, too low to ensure a decent standard of living for young people. So we uh, looked at first uh, the incidence of these people on subminimal rate, uh, and then we saw which which uh, are the char- characteristics of these young workers to understand okay who are we talking about. Um, so we saw that even if all the employees that are aged 15 to 19 years old in Ireland could be legally paid a subminimum youth rate, um, actually just one quarter of these young people are on a youth rate. Uh, while the remaining three quarters are paid or the minimum wage or are higher paid. So that means to give us a number uh, around uh, 15,000 employees in Ireland, that is 
0.7 employees in all Ireland. And these workers are um, mainly, um, half of them are usually are women, uh, while around 77% work in sectors like accommodation of food or uh, uh, retail. Um, and on around 80% of these young people are students. So, but there are also other categories that are legally uh, exempted from in, uh, the national minimum wage. And these are like um, apprentices, uh, can be employees that are uh, employed by relatives uh, or even prisoners in non-commercial work. To give you some figures about things about this, um, around 1,500 employees are employed by a relative, 6,500 are paid a sub-minimum wage rate due to be an apprentice, while, as you said before, around 6,500 report le earning less than the minimum wage for other reasons, and that could be uh, because they maybe are um, paid below the, the minimum wage illegally. Um, so the, our research is aimed to um, provide knowledge for the local Commission, as this is a joint uh, work with the local Commission, and because the local Commission will be in a position at some point to make recommendations to the Irish government about or reforming these youth rates for young people or even abolishing them. Um, from one side, one can say that uh, young people are paid less, so maybe this is not fair, this can be a mean of disc discrimination. Um, on the other side, um, youth rates have been considered to be a disincentive for early school leaving or even a wage protection for young, young, workers, and young workers when they enter the labor market. Another thing that is very important to say is that at the European level, the youth rates have received criticism by, uh, according to the European Social Charter, that promotes economic and social rights, uh, because Ireland has been found in breach of labor rights because these youth rates are considered to be too low to allow a decent standard of living. So I suppose there's kind of two things to consider here. So the, the reports in, in headlines in the papers today is, is mostly negative in the number of young people who are paid under the minimum wage. But, but, you know, digging into the report, it actually seems like a lot of young people are paid higher than the sub-minimum exactly. wage. Yeah, exactly. So we, uh, the important thing that we, uh, the main important finding is that we found that the use of sub-minimum youth rate is not very common among employers. So even if employers could uh, hire young people and pay them a redu a, 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 um, below the minimum wage, they actually don't do so. And this is, I mean, very good for Ireland no? in, in general. And another thing that um, um, it's important to say is like trying to consider any kind of maybe if, they, if the government would like to consider any reform or abolition of these youth rates, um, it's important to think about that maybe uh, in, when okay, employers will have to pay young people an higher wage, um, they will can decide probably to reduce hours of employment for these young people. But we saw that there is quite a few international evidence on um, this adverse impact on hours of employment, but uh, it's always of a small magnitude. And that said, um, this combined with the fact that the incidence of youth rate employment is low, um, 
this means that the overall effect, any effect on Irish economy in general, is likely to be quite muted. So the minimum wage at the moment for the full minimum wage is 11.30. That is due to increase next year. Is there is there any expectation that, you know, the people who are on minimum wage, when that rate increase goes up, you know, they might lose out when it comes to hours? This is the case. It might be. But uh, we saw from our previous research that uh, any effect, effect, any adverse effect in case on hours of employment is very limited. Like very, very, very limited evidence on this. So it's not something probably to worry too much about. Elise Staffa, it's a very interesting report and the way it's been reported is even more interesting. Thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Thank you so much to you. Thanks a million. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Bye now. That was Elisa Staffa, co-author of a new ESRI report looking at the number of young people being paid below the minimum wage. That survey has since sparked many calls for the sub-minimum wage rule to be abolished. Is that something you would agree with? Let me know. 083 103. On Middle Every Thursday on Midlands Today, we have our weekly feature, Hours to Protect, where we look at how to create a greener and more sustainable future. Hours to Protect is brought to you by Midlands 103, the IBI, and funded by Comishun Naman with a television licence fee. Check out hourstoprotect.ie for more info. Next on Midlands 103, we're taking a trip back to the Mullingar Park Hotel, where members of the hospitality sector rec- were recognised for their terrific work at the Midlands 103 Hospitality Awards. Don't go anywhere. Taking care of business. With thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmeath. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. You're very welcome back to Taking Care of Business. Hundreds of people gathered to celebrate Midlands 103's Hospitality Awards last night. Celebrations at the Mullingar Park Hotel recognised those working in the hospitality sector in Leash, Offaly and Westmeath and over 10,000 votes were counted to create the shortlist. The Midlands Park Hotel in Port Leash was crowned Overall Hotel of the Year. Bramley's in Abbey Leaks took home Overall Restaurant of the Year while Overall Tourism Attraction of the Year went to Playtown in Tullamore. O'Gorman's Bar and Restaurant in Port Leash claimed overall pub of the year. Midlands 103's Sinead Hubble caught up with 24-year-old Anya McAvoy from the Midlands Park Hotel in Port Leash who took home the title of Chef of the Year. Speechless, I can't stop shaking my hands, what's up shaking? I'm, not, I'm over the moon, honestly. <laughs> really am. And how long have you been working for, uh, as a chef? Uh, February, it'll be six years in the Midlands Park. Two years part-time, four years full-time after college in Athlone. So I'm so happy, honest to God. My boss actually won this last year. So he did. So he taught you well. <laughs> he taught me very well. Gave me a lot of OCD, but taught me so well. <laughs> Honest to God, I'm very happy. I was looking at all the men going up as well, and I was like, I'm not going to get this. I was like, I'm definitely not going to get this as a woman. I was like, no way. And I was like, I was like, I'm not going to get this. Not going to get this. And I was like, I just can't believe it. I honestly can't. <laughs> smile on your face. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just shocked, honestly. How much does it mean to you to get something like? It's just. It means I'm doing good. <laughs> In my career. I'm 24. <laughs> what advice would you have to somebody who's starting out in their career? Just don't give up on it. It will be hard. You will want to quit a lot of times that you will want to quit, but just don't give up on it. It is worth it. The buzz that you get off doing a great service is, is indescribable. It really is. Like. <laughs> and what's next for you now after this? Oh, go home, have a drink. <laughs> Can I celebrate now?
happy age this Christmas. 2023 winner began his career as a teacher before founding his first business back in 1978. Initially starting, I believe, in our attempt at opening up a games arcade, and it was an absolute flop, I believe, from the beginning. He moved into food before then branching into pubs, hotels, and most recently, forecourts. Now with more than 100 franchise operations, the nickname he earned at the Carmelite College in Moat is known all, all over Ireland and all over the world. So the 2023 Albert Award for Lifetime Achievement goes to Mr. Pat McDonough. And you've just picked up the award for a rising star in the pub bar industry. Yeah. Your face was priceless. <laughs> to say the least. Absolutely priceless. Wasn't expecting that at all. At all. Shocked. And what does it mean to you? Oh, just that you're doing a good job and I'm in the right industry. Let's put it that way. Yeah, absolutely. Shocked. <laughs> So what is your role? Go in, do your work, keep everyone happy, look after the staff, the younger ones, bring them up to my level. Obviously, I'm older. And just bring them up confidence-wise, everything, just, yeah, enjoy your job, because that's what life's about. Do you know what? Sometimes I say to my kids, whatever, I'm born to be in this industry, and this I am, and this just proves it. So go for what you believe in, go what you're good at, and go follow suit. Industry can be tough. It's absolutely, hours. absolutely. The younger girls coming up, and I look at them and I say, you know, I remember me at that age. I have a young daughter at that age, and I remember starting off. So I look at the younger ones and I go, no, don't do that. Build them up, bring them to where you are, and and that kind of thing. And I love when I see a shy girl come out of herself and be the person she has to be, and that's worthwhile to me. Alan Conroy, Pedro Spare in more Bar manager of the year. It means a lot, actually. It's great to get this award, like uh, working in bars all my life. Like, so um, I've many years' experience, and it's just great to achieve something like this at these awards. So. And what makes you the best bar manager in the Midlands? Um, <laughs> you know, it's probably just my personality. People, I'd say, I'm not really sure, but I go with that. <laughs> Are you good with the drink orders? Remember what uh, people normally order? Yeah, it would be, yeah, it's very good. Yeah, yeah. Snicky O'Callaghan here, the owner of Sip in Ballymore. Sip is a little coffee garden, it's set in a little village in Westmeath. We're between Athlone and Mullingar. Um, historically, it has been the local garage, local bus butchers, and it was closed and derelict for a good few years. And then an opportunity came and we completely gutted it out and we actually reused every material we could possibly do. So it had the old asbestos roof and all that, so we took all the beams down, which were pitch pine, turned them into tables, countertops, everything. All the timber that's in there is recycled, reclaimed. Um, we've done lots of bits and pieces like that. Um, we added new kind of windows just to bring in light. And it's just this cool little space in like a rural village. And it is a community hub. And when I was doing all my business plan, like about 18 months before it, like I always had these kind of core values and it was the meeting space. It was somewhere to get really, really awesome coffee. The barista award, like that's just like such a cherry on the top after 
been re- just a year open as well. So there's actually a lot to making a really good cup of coffee. It's not you just turn on the machine and boom. No, it's it's every element. It's heat, humidity, uh, texture, pressure. Um, it's it's the texture of the milk. It's understanding what a customer actually wants because to be honest, like you'd have Americans coming in and they call coffees totally different to what somebody might just want a milky coffee. But that's how we try to engage with all the customers every t- time someone comes in the door. Like, and what kind of coffee would you like? I'm delighted to announce the winner of ten thousand euro marketing campaign with Midlands 103 is the wine port my name is Glenn and I'm the duty manager in Mindport Lodge. Well I start off by saying it means an awful lot to us, you know like marketing obviously in this day and age is a huge part of what we do, it's kind of getting your name out there, getting your point across and what you're kind of displaying as a business. My name's Christine and we're Meet and Fit from Tullamore. It's uh, the best coffee shop in Tullamore. Uh, We've been only opened a year in September We've achieved so much. There's only five of us, so, you know, we're all like a family together. Like, we all deserve it. We all work hard for it. So, like for us, like we came here, we didn't expect to win anything. We came for just the fun, but to win something after being open just for a year. And where are you from? I'm originally from Latvia. We're actually all from different yeah. parts of the world. So where's Poland, Poland. There's Portugal, there's Poland, there's Latvia. So we all try to deliver the best customer service we can. The best, yes. Coming up on Midlands 103, what is Bordnamona's Accelerate Green programme and who can apply? Taking care of business. With thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmead. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. You're very welcome back to Taking Care of Business. We're into our final segment here on Midlands 103. Um, Board has put out its final call for applications for its Accelerate Green programme. It's inviting applications from SMEs aiming to scale up, startups with inventive climate solutions and companies in the developmental stage actively seeking investment. Head of HR and Corporate Affairs at Board Sharon Doyle, joins me on the line this evening. Sharon, before we get into who should apply for the scheme, can you tell me what the Accelerate Green programme is. Accelerate Green is a standout accelerator programme. It's designed to help rising businesses that are innovating in the sustainable climate solution space. Um, clim- the Accelerate Green programme is delivered by Board Mona in conjunction with Resolve Partners who helps us to manage the rollout of the programme. And the goal of the programme is to support companies interested in scaling or developing products and services based on green innovation. And the innovative thinking and drive behind so many of the businesses that have come through the program since we first launched in February 22 is really inspiring. And we're delighted as a business to support a growing network of budding talent in the sustainability space. So you said it, it launched last year, you know, in, in that, that one year span, have you, would you consider the program a success? You know, how have the companies that have been in the program um, received it? Oh, absolutely. We would definitely consider it a success. I suppose um, maybe I'll tell you a little bit about the types of companies first that are targeted. And the types of companies are SMEs looking to scale, startups with innovative climate solutions, and companies in the development stage looking for investment are all the types of companies that we're looking to attract. Um, In terms of the companies that have participated in the programme to date, we've had 25 Irish businesses from across the country. They successfully completed the programme since the first launch in 22. Um, at the Accelerate Green alumni businesses have experienced an average revenue growth of 150% since completing the programme. 
and 80% has grown their workforce. And I suppose in terms of the feedback we've gotten from participants, all of them found the networking to be extremely beneficial with the vast majority leveraging the connections to their benefit that they made throughout the program. Um, I might give you an example or two, uh, Cameron, of the types of, of, of success stories that we've seen come through. Um, we did have one company last year, Happy Earth, which was set up by two cousins, Mary and Lisa O'Reardon from Cork. Um, they developed a more sustainable alternative to traditional personal protective equipment, so PPE, in a bid to help cut carbon emissions from healthcare. And basically, the apron that they have designed has a carbon footprint 75% lower than the standard PPE apron that's used in healthcare. There's no waste in the manufacturing process, and they use sustainable energy sources for production. So it's a relatively new programme, you know, only launched a year ago. What kind of investment is Bordenamona putting behind it? So Bordenamona has committed an investment of five million to the programme. Um, and I suppose that's the financial investment. Aside from that, Cameron, our investment is in terms of our expertise. So we have obviously been through the brown to green transition as an organization, and we've um, transformed over a relatively short period of time. So we give all of the companies access to um, some of our senior managers and experts across the company to help them focus on sustainability and to address some of the challenges they're incurring in their own businesses. So the reason we're talking today is Bordnamona has is is inviting companies to sign up for this year's Accelerate Green program for 2024. When is the deadline for that and you know how many companies can sign on you know how many can Bordnamona take? So applications are now open and they will close on the 10th of November um and applications can be made at www.accelerategreen.ie. Um, we, after the closing date, we'll filter applications based on a range of criteria, including product or service offering and how innovative it is, the stage the company is at, relevance to Board Namona and the Midlands. We'll then invite some uh, applicants to pitch online to a panel comprised of senior Board Namona managers and resolved partners. And then those presentations will be scored and we'll conduct due diligence on the top 12 companies with a view to offering a coveted place to the first eight to ten companies by the end of November and then the programme will officially commence in January 2024. When the Accelerate Green programme was pitched I suppose at first, what was the thought process behind giving these businesses the the chance to develop um, the the climate action and sustainability sector? Well I think in in terms of Borden and Mona's brown to green strategy which I've touched on, Ireland has ambitious carbon emission targets to reach by 2030 in addition to um, our longer term goal of achieving net zero carbon emissions by 2050 and the goals cannot be reached without the growth and support of energy conscious and environmentally sustainable companies and as part of our brown to green strategy we're focused on the continued expansion of our own climate solutions and renewable energy portfolio and that includes a range of renewable energy projects recycling, waste management, peatlands restoration, biodiversity and the development of new low carbon enterprises and we believe we have a lot of experience and we have a lot of uh, knowledge that we can impart to those companies to help them become more sustainability focused and to transform their opportunity as a business in the market. Sharon Doyle, before I let you go, just one more time, when is the deadline for businesses to sign up and where can they do so? Applications are open now. They will close on the 10th of November and applications can be made at www.accelerategreen.ie. 
Sharon Doyle, Head of HR and Corporate Affairs at Board Namona. Very quickly, before we finish up here, uh, on Pfizer cutting 100 jobs at its plant in Newbridge, it also announced it's adding 230 jobs in Dublin and Cork. So 100 down in Kildare, 230 up in Dublin and Cork. But that's all we've got time for on Taking Care of Business this evening. Thanks for tuning in to Midlands 103. Ronan Berry is back as usual next Tuesday from 7 o'clock. And Joe Cooney is taking you for a trip on those country roads after the news at 8. Good evening. Taking Care of Business returns next Tuesday at 7pm with the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmeath. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business.